This is Scott Becker with the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We're joined today by Matt Wolf, Senior Brilliant Leader at RSM. He talks to us regularly about what trends he's watching in private equity. Matt, uh, I'll tee it up, then I'll ask you to start uh, taking us away. Just when it seems like things are moving in the right direction, that interest rates are going to stabilize, the Fed sees some bad inflation data and signals that they're going to go continue to that the, the work's not done. What's your sense of that? What's your sense of what's happening with the private equity market, the, the business deal market? And, and what else are you watching closely that you're thinking about? Matt, let me let you take it away. Yeah, thanks, Scott. I mean, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, Chair Powell was on Bloomberg TV earlier today, sort of not necessarily walking back those comments, but just explaining that, um, you know, with the 10 year where it is, and some other governors have said the same, that may, maybe there's not a need for a hike. I mean, th- th- there's been a lot of noise around all of that with the interest rate environment. But like you said, I mean, the fact of the matter is we have 10 years near 5%, and the rates are just, they're, they're going to be higher for longer. And I think, you know, a lot of the sponsors, at least, that I've been talking to and working with, they're, they're kind of coming around the, the fact and the idea that, yes, we're not going back to a zero interest rate environment anytime soon. And we're, we're trying to deal with that. I think, um, you know, the real, well, one of the, the challenges that we've been focusing on and spending a lot of effort around is really just, um, just fundraising, right? As, and what does the future of private equity look like with, you know, if you can, if, if institutional investors can get 5% on a 10 year, what does that mean for trying to raise new funds? Um, especially with, you know, the, the challenges of operating that, that we've seen. You know, I did see a really interesting data point on the fundraising environment that suggested, you know, year to date so far, we're really only about 13% behind where we were last year, which actually surprised me. I would have expected we were down down more than that. But um, what I'm watching now, what I'm focused on is what does that look like going forward as we get into the next FOMC decision, as we start to see uh, private equity funds report their third quarter and their year-end marks to their limited uh, partners, and we probably see some of these older funds that initially invested, you know, four or five years ago trying to exit, where are they able to exit, and what does that signal for the fundraising environment? I, I see that it could potentially be some sort of confluence of headwinds in the fundraising environment, right? We have these higher rates for longer that will uh, influence capital allocations. We'll see private equity firms finally uh, take a lot of markdowns that uh, will be reflected to those limited partners. <laughs> And um, you know, we'll just continue to see kind of margin and other challenges as well. And it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out with the the future capital flows to private equity uh, in 2024 and beyond. But your point is really well taken. If people can get safely 5% plus, then the margin they have to get to invest in private equity has got to be much, much higher than that. And it's harder to find those margins when the cost of debt are so high as well. So it's for some period of time. It's not. It's not that the future is gone for private equities. It's certainly not. But it does mean for a period of time, returns are going to be more challenging, and 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 so fundraising is more challenging. You also see what's fascinating is people starting to raise traditional private equity funds 
starting to raise funds around potentially distressed assets, going to the private equity funds that weren't investor in, recently started raising a real estate fund intended to take advantage of distressed assets when that carnage comes. Any thoughts on that and what you're seeing out there in terms of the direction of private equity funds? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that makes sense and sort of plays to this broader theme and, and cyclical change that I think we've talked about before, Scott, where, you know, in the prior interest rate environment, as a as a private equity fund, if you were good at sourcing deals, you know, you could make a very healthy, happy return for yourself and for your investors through sort of financial engineering, right? You could buy companies and, and kind of exploit multiple expansion and, and make a return that way. And that was a very valid and profitable way of, of generating returns and creating value. Going forward, I think what's going to create those returns and that value will really be operational experience, expertise, and excellence. And so seeing these funds that focused on turning around distressed assets, um, it, it just makes sense, right? It's a natural extension of that recognition that we're no longer able to um, kind of benefit from the same types of multiple expansions. So we need to focus on operational excellence. And if you have the, the qualifications and the, the wherewithal to do it, uh, distressed assets is a great place to do that, or it can be. No, thank you. And you mentioned the mark-to-market effort. When, when funds have to do that, how – and you're in the valuation business. Let's talk a little bit about what that looks like and how people do that. So, you know, funds are very concerned about showing big markdowns because then it makes it harder to instill confidence in investors. At the same time, they don't want to surprise investors. So, what do you see out there in that mark to market effort and what can you and can't you talk about? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in general, if people are unfamiliar with the process, right, the, um, what happens is the, the fund managers will look at their investments. And they'll say, you know, okay, did the value go up? Did the value go down? Did it stay the same? Why or why not? Uh, and then that will get reported to investors. And depending on certain characteristics, the their auditors will look at that either every year or every quarter and do some testing around that. Now, the testing that the audit firms will do on those valuations isn't necessarily to say, yes, this is the right valuation or the wrong valuation. It's really just to test those fund managers' processes around how do they get to their valuation. Um, and typically what we, you know, in every, every firm, every shop is a little different, I would say, but often typically what we see is, uh, again, to your point of, you don't want to you don't want to mislead investors, but you also don't want to surprise them. Um, generally, managers tend to hold their investments at cost unless they have good basis to say, yeah, the value has increased or the value has decreased. And you know, we've seen a lot of managers continue to hold those investments at cost as interest rates have risen. Um, but as those funds get longer in the tooth, they get, you know, those hold, they get towards the end of that hold period or, you know, the, they, they're now a couple years into margin compression. I expect we'll see a lot of um, fund managers that have little choice but to mark down a lot of those positions. Fascinating. And fund managers sort of hate to do that, but also they hate even more if they surprise investors on exits and exits are much worse than they expected. And at the same time, 
they, they have some control over how long they hold, but how rigid are the fund guidelines in having to get out of something at a certain date, or can they hold longer if they need to, just thinking the company, the markets will recover? How does that look? Yeah, I mean, every, you know, the, the guy, it'll depend on the fund, but I don't know of too many funds that have very, like, set in stone guidelines in those exit dates. What, what really happens is just the pressure from the limited partners, right, from the investors in that private equity fund. You know, they're, they're calling up their investor relations people, they're calling up the, the chairman, the senior vice presidents of the firm saying, listen, it's been five, six years, like we, we want to recognize these gains and the fund managers want to do that so that then they can roll those investments into the next fund. Um, and, you know, we've, we've seen that, uh, that hold period drive exits that, uh, you know, I think many managers would say, yeah, if, if it weren't for the fact that we had been in this position for this amount of time, we would have never taken this deal, but we needed to exit. Our LPs were, were pressuring us to kind of start churning the fund and we're trying to raise money for our next fund. So we got to, we got to pick up and move on. So we took a deal that a year ago we wouldn't have even looked at. Fascinating. Matt, anything else that's top of mind for you that you wanted to share with listeners today? Yeah, I think, um, you know, going back to kind of the fundraising environment in general, I think, uh, you know, I, I shared that stat of total fundraising is only down 13% year to date over prior year. Um, but if you look at the decomposition of that, it's because, it, you know, it's not as, the fundraising isn't as low as I think a lot of us might have expected prior to that report coming out um, because so much of the fundraising has been concentrated into sort of the big giant players. And so I think middle market funds are having a more difficult time raising than, you know, like the big gigantic players. And that just kind of goes back to how we're going to have to focus on what is our differentiator? Why is our money greener than somebody else's? What is the operational excellence or, or whatever differentiator that we bring to the table as middle market funds as we're out there competing for for LP dollars, more of which is now flowing to treasuries or flowing into private credit or things like that. So it's it's probably going to get more difficult before it gets easier to raise money, um, but there still is a solid interest in private equity, of course. Fascinating perspective. Matt, I want to thank you for joining us today on the Becker Private Equity Podcast. We'll get this episode out right away. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Scott.